Willard Bill Leap, age 91, went to be with his Lord and Savior on Wednesday, November 15, 2023. Bill was a humble farmer in Montana who transitioned to a successful businessman in Holland, Michigan, and was owner and operator of Interior Images. He shared 61 years of marriage with his late wife, Francine, and was a dedicated man of faith his entire life to both his church and Christian schools. He expressed his faith through music. He was a gracious man, and his greatest desire and prayer was that his entire family would live a life of faith. He was preceded in death by his wife, Francine Leap, and numerous siblings. He is survived by his children, Jane and Tom Henselman, Bill and Joanna Leap, Mary Beth and Tom Verstrat, Jackie and Rick Lefebvre, 19 grandchildren, 21 great-grandchildren. Sister, Arlene Blake. Sister, Lois and Don Morin. Sister, Dorothy Kinna. Sister, Marianne Van Dyken. Brother, Eldon, Sherry Leap. Sister-in-law, Arla Leap. Sister-in-law, Linda Leap. Sister-in-law, Linda Culleton. Brother-in-law, Dick and Carol Fleetstra. Brother-in-law, Dave Fleetstra. Sister-in-law, Evelyn Vandenberg. And many nieces and nephews. As we begin this memorial service, let us call upon the name of our God in prayer. Most merciful God and heavenly Father, we come before thy throne of grace in our time of need, knowing that thou wilt supply all our need. We come to thee as those who sorrow because of loss, and yet we are confident of the salvation which thou dost bring to thy people through Jesus Christ, and therefore our hearts have joy. For thou art not the God of the dead, but of the living. And we know that all whom thou hast taken to thyself through Jesus Christ shall live forever with thee. And so we come to thee not as those who sorrow without hope, but as those who rest in the sure and finished work of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for the sheep. Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and the life knowing that whosoever believes in him, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Our hearts are glad, therefore, and our flesh rests in hope. For thou dost show thy people the path of life into thy presence, where there is fullness of joy forevermore. Grant that we may be established in this sure confidence concerning our father, our grandfather, our brother, our friend, our loved one, whom thou hast taken to thyself, grant us thy grace amidst grief to live that true joy that we have in the deliverance and victory of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us to walk by faith and not by sight, to lay hold by faith more firmly upon 
thy precious promises which are sure and unfailing. Grant us the forgiveness of our sins through the blood of the Lamb, and adorn us in the garments of salvation, and lead us in the way everlasting, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. At this time we lift our voices in song. We are going to sing the first song listed in the program, Psalter 29, a versification of the 16th Psalm, in which the Christian expresses his confidence in the immortality and resurrection that is ours through Christ. We sing the two stanzas that are printed in the program, the two stanzas of Psalter 29. Now at this time we will sing the hymn, His Eye is on the Sparrow, the second song listed in the program. His Eye is on the Sparrow, we will sing the two verses listed in the program. At this time we will read three passages from the Word of God, three psalms. These three psalms were psalms that meant a lot to your father, grandfather, your brother, your friend. They're psalms that were dear to him throughout his life, but especially in the last years and days of his life. And psalms that gave expression to his feelings, his thoughts, his attitude, his view of life. These words of God were words that he took as his own. And now we read them for our comfort this morning. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. 
Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. Next, we turn to Psalm 62. Psalm 27 expresses very well Bill's desire to be in the house of the Lord. His waiting patiently upon the Lord. Psalm 62 expresses the quiet trust, the assurance and the confidence that we saw in him as he waited upon the Lord. Truly my soul waiteth upon God, from him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, he is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as, bowing, as a bowing wall ye shall be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies, they bless with their mouth, but curse inwardly. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Surely men of low degree are vanity and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. Let those words which meant so much to him comfort and encourage you this morning. Trust in him, your God, at all times. Your salvation, your glory, your rock. Finally, Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. 
The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Let us sing once more. Psalter 278, versification of Psalm 103, the fatherly love of God. We sing the five stanzas, five stanzas of 278. We open God's word once again, and now to John chapter 14. We're going to read just a short portion of this chapter, verses 1 through 3. These were the last verses from the scripture that I read to Bill the day before he passed, when my wife and I visited him. And we talked about these verses because these verses set forth What your father, your grandfather, great-grandfather, your loved one's desire was. What he desired above all. and What he was certain of by faith in Christ. So these words which gave him such comfort, let them give us comfort this morning. John 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. At last, after much waiting, Bill's desire is fulfilled. Last week was his last going out and his final coming in to where he shall abide and live. Live like never before, forevermore. At last, perhaps he said those words when he reached glory. When he opened his eyes in heaven. At last. I have not seen nor ear heard. Nor did it ever enter into my heart. What this would be like. Glory. With Christ in heaven. And though we as family and friends. Have sorrow. Because a dear loved one has been 
separated from us. Yet, perhaps we also say that too at last. Because we're joyful for Him. And we did not wish to see Him linger with the afflictions of the body. The afflictions of cancer. We knew His heartfelt yearning. And we rejoice to know that that yearning is fulfilled. As a pastor, it was something amazing and encouraging when I would visit your father, your grandpa, your great-grandpa, your loved one, and see in him the meaning of the Apostle's words in Philippians when he speaks of the peace that passes all understanding. Bill had such peace as he looked ahead towards death. He had such peace in his last years, in his last days. The only restlessness was the restlessness that came from a readiness and an eagerness to go and to be with Christ. His Savior What a beautiful and encouraging thing that was. What an encouraging thing for you as a family. And now, John 14, verses which encouraged him in his earthly pilgrimage, encouraged Bill in his last legs of that journey. It's now what he experiences. We want to think about that for a few moments this morning. For the uplifting of our hearts. For encouragement to us in the midst of sorrow. That we may rejoice for him. And give thanks unto the Lord. For his great salvation. In John 14. Jesus comforts his disciples whose hearts are troubled. They are troubled by what Jesus had just told them in the preceding chapter. For example, if you looked at John 13, 33, and 36, Jesus told his disciples at this time that he was going away. John 14 is part of Jesus' upper room discourse. It's a discourse that Jesus delivered to his 12 disciples the night that he had the last supper with them, the very night that he would be betrayed. He delivered this discourse right before he went to the garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus told his disciples that he would be going away from them. There would be separation, but he is going away for their sake. And in order to comfort their troubled hearts, he gives them a precious, precious promise. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and I come again to receive you to myself. A beautiful promise given, and a promise that Jesus keeps to all of his people. Let's let our hearts and minds meditate for a few moments on that promise that Jesus gave to his disciples and gives to all of his believing people. I go, and I shall come again, 
In my Father's house are many mansions, and in that house I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house. Here in John 14, Jesus is talking about heaven. The real place where God dwells in His glory. And there is a world of meaning packed into this expression that Jesus chooses to describe what heaven is like. He describes it as the Father's house in which there are many mansions. You think about all of the ideas and all of the emotions that are attached to that word house. Your house is your place. It is a place of safety, a place of rest, a sanctuary, a dwelling place, a living space, a place and a space where there is love, where there is warmth, where fellowship is enjoyed around a table, togetherness, joy, peace, laughter, light. All of these ideas are packed into that word house. And Jesus chooses that word very intentionally to describe heaven. And the point he is making is that's what heaven is. And that's what heaven is like but to an infinitely higher and greater degree than what we experience here below. The joys of home and family and church family which are so precious to us. Indeed, the most precious things that God has given us in this life. And what makes heaven so good, what makes this house such a place of joy and peace, light, laughter, and fellowship, is that God is there. It is the Father's house. And Jesus chooses that word, that name, to describe God very intentionally as well. God is the Almighty God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. And all of the names which the Bible gives to God, the Bible gives to God, teach us something about Him and comfort us, but this name is especially special to God's people. God is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and through the work of Jesus Christ, our Savior, God has become our Father. Heaven it's not just a house, but it is our Father's house. The house of our Father through Jesus Christ. A house that is filled with the tender love a Father has for all His children dear. The tenderest, the most gracious, the most kind love of a perfect Father who shows that love so abundantly in the gift of His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to come and to redeem His people from sin and death that they might live with Him in His house. You see, all of those central truths of the Gospel, the good news, the glad tidings of great joy are packed into these words of Jesus here. God's word reveals that God's great plan throughout time and history is the gathering of a spiritual family through the work of His Son Jesus Christ who is the captain of our salvation sent to bring many sons and daughters to glory. Sent to become the firstborn among many brethren that through Him we might call the living God Father 
and have a place in his house. And so Jesus says to his disciples and he says to us in his word, I go. I go to prepare, to make ready, to furnish a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places, many rooms. And those rooms are going to be filled. Every single one of them. And it's not this, that those rooms are a bunch of empty rooms that can be filled with just anyone. No, each and every one of God's children, His chosen people, believers, their name is upon one of those rooms. And Jesus says to his believing people, to each one of us, I go to prepare a place for you. God spoke to Bill throughout his life this word, I am preparing a place for you, for you. And in order that we might occupy that place at God's appointed time, Jesus went to Gethsemane. Where he was bound that we might be delivered from our sins. He went to Pilate's judgment seat at Gabbatha where he, though innocent, was condemned to death. That we sinners might be acquitted. At the judgment seat of God. He went to Golgotha. The hill of the skull. Where he gave himself upon the tree of the cross. To save poor sinners. Such as you and me. And such as our loved one. And with his precious blood. He redeemed his people. From sin. From death. From the misery of mankind's own making. He purchased for us the adoption of children. Signing those adoption papers in his own precious blood. And through his redemptive work. He has secured for his people. A room. A place. A perfect place. In the father's house. Of many mansions. And the whole of the Christian life now is a life of preparation and of being prepared for that place. Then the second part of the promise in verse 3, Jesus goes on to say, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be. Also, Jesus promises to come again for each of his children. And the you is just as personal as the you in verse 2. God prepares a place for each of his people in his house. And Jesus promises to come again for each of his people to take them there. To take them to be with him. Just think about what these words mean. What verse 3 means. And you see through a window into the heart of Jesus Christ. This is our Savior's desire. 
that his people be with him where he is in the Father's house to enjoy the richness of that imperishable inheritance, to enjoy the light, the life, the fellowship, the joy, the peace, the rest that is there in the Father's house. So great is that love of the Savior for his people that he was willing to lay down his life to bring us there. And you see, that's what the death of a Christian is. The death of the Christian is Jesus coming for his own to bring them to be where he is. Jesus' death has taken the sting out of death. Jesus' death has taken the curse away. There is no more wrath. There is no more judgment to those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ's death, Christ's work for us has turned our death into the doorway into true life. So much so that when the believer dies, at last, he truly lives. Your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your loved one believed that with all his heart. By the grace of God, he did. He'd be the last man to take credit for it. The words of the obituary were beautifully written. He was a humble man. A humble man of faith. A man who lived his long earthly pilgrimage of 91 years, dependent upon the grace of God, knowing he was but a sinner saved by grace. And his generous heart, that you knew so well, and that so many in his church family here at Holland knew so well, was the workmanship of God's grace. Think about all those precious memories that you have. Bill's love for you as a family. How clear that was. His love for his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren. I don't think there was a single pastoral visit I had with him when he didn't talk affectionately about his family. And his joy in seeing his family walk in the faith. His church remembers him too. as a man with a big heart. Who loved to be here. When my wife and I visited him the day before he passed. His last words to us were. See you at church. That's where his heart was. And those words, those words came true in a far better way. He wouldn't come back here Sunday. But Sunday he was with the entire assembly of the church of the firstborn in heavenly glory among the souls of just men made perfect, beholding the face of Christ, singing around the throne of the Lamb. Cherish those memories. They're God's gift to you. Cherish all of the blessings that God has given you. Through your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your loved one. They are a gift of God. 
and cherish your memory of his last days. The peace that you saw in him. The contentment with the Lord's will. That too is a fruit of grace and a gift of God to us to encourage us in our earthly pilgrimage as well. We saw his calm. We saw his assurance. We saw how little fear the last enemy held over him. His heart was not troubled because he believed in Jesus Christ. And he couldn't wait to be with him. Do we know this peace? Do you know this peace? Let us all reflect upon that. Reflect upon our own lives. This is one of the reasons that the Bible says it is better to go into the house of mourning than into the house of feasting. Because here in the house of mourning, we're called to ponder what's most important when we're faced with the end of all men. When we're younger, we may not think about it. There is so much going on. There is so much to focus our attention on. Death may be far from our minds, but the house of mourning calls us to think upon this reality. We are all headed for the grave. Not all of us will reach the age of 91. We brought nothing into this world, and nothing we gain in this world will we take with us. Only the treasures of heaven Endure. And when we gather in the house of mourning and we ponder these things, let our hearts be moved such that we not set our affections on things below or make our priority the accumulation of riches here below or the building of a great house here below, but let us set our affections on things above. The Father's house of many mansions, that's home, not here. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Believe in Christ. He is the only Savior. The only Redeemer from sin and death. He is, as John 14 verse 6 says, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. No man comes to the Father's house of many mansions except through Him. Believe in Him. Cast yourself upon Him. Lay hold of Him, the Savior, the only Savior. Make Him the center of your life, the rock upon which you rest. Live henceforth unto him. By God's grace, we saw that in Bill's life. And above all things, that is the legacy he leaves for us a life of faith in the Savior Jesus Christ. That's the beautiful promise of the text. And the encouragement for us now this morning is that that is a promise which God has kept. Jesus keeps His promises and Jesus has kept His promise. What we read in verse 3 is what happened this last Wednesday. Jesus said, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And that's what happened Wednesday. Jesus kept His Word. 
Jesus came and Jesus took Bill to be where he is. Home at last. Death did not take him. Cancer did not take him. The weariness of old age did not take him. Jesus took him, received him. Bill was on heaven's threshold last week. And on Wednesday, Jesus opened heaven's front door from the other side and brought him through. Death had no victory. Death was just the doorkeeper that stepped aside to let him through and take his coat, all of the things of this world that he left behind, sin, suffering, sadness, left at the door, no more of it. Later this afternoon, we will commit the body of our loved one to the grave, but it's just to the dormitory that Christ has appointed for it till the day that Jesus comes again to raise the body incorruptible. Death has no victory to those who are in Christ Jesus, but death is but the doorway into the Father's house of many mansions. Let that rejoice our hearts. One other thing that Bill would say to me every time I visited him, every time since February of 2020, I want to see Jesus, and I want to see my wife. We would talk about that. You're going to. You're going to. It's hard to wait, but you're going to. Now he does, in perfection, with Christ. His joy is full. Another room in the Father's house is full. What reason we have to thank and to glorify God, and even in sorrow, rejoice. So people of God, family and friends, let that be our comfort for today, tomorrow, and each day going forward. Verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Yes, there will be sadness and that sadness is real. But let not our hearts be troubled. When the Lord takes a loved one, it leaves a hole. It does. And there will be sorrow in the days ahead. There will be the firsts, the the empty chair. You'll miss him this Thanksgiving. What reason to be thankful as you ponder where he is, what he sees, who he's with. And as that leads you to think about all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ, rejoice. We give thanks and we praise him. As we will sing very soon, the goodness of God is proved. Let not your hearts be troubled. 
Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let us now sing again. The final number on the program, Psalter number 88. We'll sing the three stanzas, all three of Psalter number 88. Before we pray, the family invites all here gathered to meet with them for a time of fellowship and refreshments here at the church following the service. Let us pray together. Our Father and our God, we give thee thanks and we praise thee for thy goodness which is proved in most marvelous ways. As we have heard of the promise given by our Lord Jesus Christ, grant that our hearts may be strengthened and uplifted by this promise and confirmed in our faith as we have seen that promise kept in the life and the death of our dear loved one whom thou hast taken to thyself to be with thee in thy house so that now in righteousness at last he beholds the face of Jesus Christ and beholds the faces of dear loved ones who have gone before. Father, press this comforting truth of the gospel upon our hearts so that all who believe in Jesus Christ may be refreshed by this word and that we as a family, though we sorrow and though we miss our dear loved one, we may nonetheless be lifted up in joy and give thee the praise and the glory for the wonders that thou hast wrought. How good How great a God thou art. And should there be any here who do not know or do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, use this word and use this service to prick the heart and to turn us from our ways of unbelief and sin and to turn to Christ in faith and repentance and find in Him the refuge and the all-sufficient source of joy and peace that our souls so desperately need. Grant us, Father, that we may have profited from coming to the house of mourning today, and that we may go forward, strengthened by Thy grace, knowing that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory until at last we too obtain that inheritance of glory stored up in heaven and join that assembly of the church of the firstborn forever to dwell in thy house and to praise thee with gladness and thanksgiving. Our hope rests in thee. And now in this day and in the days ahead, Like a shepherd, lead us. Comfort us with thy rod and staff 
And may thy goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. Until at last, we too dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.